0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy New Year! Yep, um, we're going to start this year off. We'll be looking at the Book of Galatians. If you have a Bible with you, uh, you could turn there. It's going to be towards the end of your Bible. I'll put some slides up on so we can read along together with a similar version. Galatians, we're going to look at that this book for 11 weeks. This is my favorite New Testament uh, epistle. I love this book. It, it uh, has been likened to um, the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. It is, for our country, it would be like the Emancipation Proclamation. It says we are free. We are free. Free from what? Free from the wrath of God, free from uh, the fear of God and knowing whether or not we have his favor, Uh, we're free from the anxiety as to whether we can know him or where we'll spend eternity. Have we done enough? Is that good enough? Are we going to make it? Last lap around life, I don't know where I'll spend eternity you're free from that worry because of the doctrines that are taught in this book. Particularly, it is um, it is such a powerful thing. What do you do with that freedom, right? We're just like, what will you do with all of that freedom? The tapes that we play in our minds that keep just keep. Just skipping over and over again where we just we hear things that are, are lies or hateful things or that are just flat out wrong from people that are meant us ill or maybe accidentally said some things, but yet we go to those first and foremost. We could go to this book instead. We could hear what God says about us and how he feels towards us and what he's done about that and, and even some of the things that are true, right? Not just the things that were lies that are painful somehow, but how about the things that are true that are painful? That, that we know about ourselves or someone has revealed, we because of the gospel and the power of reconciliation with God, we can lean into those truths and accept us for how we are and then and then allow God's spirit to change us. We're not threatened by the requirements of change of the need to change so there's when the gospel takes root and so many people especially uh, in our country recently, they they think the gospel is something that provides you know heaven after you know after death, right? And it's our hope is that through this eleven weeks that it would the gospel would make its way, just take root in our souls and make its way. The sap would get to every branch and every leaf, every appendage of our soul so that it would affect our personality and our temperament and 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 put us cease to you know, self-destructive thoughts that we have and, and the, the way we treat other human beings and lifelong fears would finally subside and relational um, difficulties, right, inadequacies that we might have would be disappearing because the gospel can do that. The gospel can do that. It's not a simple little thing that you do once and put over here. Is something that constantly is invading the parts of life that God is revealing to you that says, we have to work on this. And the gospel has the power to change you. What's the gospel? The gospel, this gospel, this word gospel is gonna be used throughout this book because that's the point of contention in this book. And so if you would, just for a second, for seven minutes or so, let's assume very little for each other, and I wanna explain what the gospel is. So that the rest of our series together, we can when we keep referring back to it, we know at least we're talking about the same thing. Okay, one sentence, um, two verses. It's very succinct, and and you can see the highlighted uh, words that we're going to look at. It's um, it's Ephesians two, verses eight and nine. Look what it says on the board, and you'll see that the words we're going to spend time on. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift from God not a result of works that anyone should boast. Okay, that, in a sentence, is the gospel. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's, right, it's not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not a result of works that anyone should boast. Let's just look at it one word at a time. Saved. You've been saved. From what? You've been saved from the wrath of God. You've been, you've been saved from the cost of having to pay eternally, and, and eternal, um, eternity in the Bible means now and forever, not just forever, just now and forever. And, and, and we have this, we're, we're dead in our relationship with God. As a matter of fact, the most dynamic change that, that is imaginable takes place as a result of the gospel in this idea of being saved, because we, we change from being an enemy with God to being a child of God. That's what saved means. That's the distance that that occurs when a person is saved. They go from an enemy in hostility with God to becoming a child of God. And you call him Abba Daddy. Okay, that's what saved means. How does that happen? By grace. You're saved by grace. What is grace? Here's what what I'm... Trying to do today is take away all the church words and make this uh, definition of the gospel as, as concrete as possible. Grace oh, means gift. It means gift. It's just another way of saying it's a synonym, it's almost a perfect synonym. Grace means gift, and you are saved by this gift. It, it is, it is, uh, it's a present. Uh, it's not earned if you pay for the gift. It's not a gift, it's a purchase. If, if I give you this gift and you pay me back, it's not a gift, it's a loan. A gift is a present that's, that you receive because it's a gift. Okay, we're gonna. I mean, we didn't get the biggest box we could for nothing. I want you to see that grace is a gift. What is, what is the gift? The gift is this promise that was foretold that there would have to be a miraculous gift provided uh, that would pay for the cost of our sins. And so he, he promised that to Adam at the fall. Wow, how, how, do, how do we get out of this? There'll be a gift. Abraham, there'll be a gift. David, there'll be a gift. The prophets, there'll be a gift. John the Baptist, there's a gift coming. And the gift, we open it up and it's it's a check it's it's paid to the father by the son Jesus Christ for the payment of our sins death for sin that's good friday and on sunday resurrection sunday easter sunday it says paid in full the gift is, the gift is jesus christ coming and paying and reconciling it's making us right with God. it's the check. okay we are saved by a gift and the gift is the payment of sin through faith. Let's take let's take faith out of the church, okay Faith, what does faith mean? Faith, trust, believe, hope. These are all action words. you, you have to do something, or it's just hypothetical and theoretical, and it doesn't—it doesn't, it doesn't even—it's not even real. It doesn't count for you. Okay, it's not, you, you're just throwing words around. Very popular today. Okay, so here's here's again a very concrete example. Third story of a building, place is burning down around me. There's a team of firefighters underneath. They've got that little trampoline out there. Okay, and they're, still, they're telling me to jump. Okay, I'm going to be saved by this burning building, so I have to jump now. Staying up here and acknowledging that they have adequate training and there's a sufficient a number of people to add, you know, to to distribute my weight, that if I were to fall and probably approach a speed around 40 miles per hour, they could catch me. Intellectual understanding is not faith. That is not trust. Okay, I know you, I know you got points for that in school. But knowing something isn't being able to recite it or understand it. Knowing something is the ability to do something in the Bible. So if you could take a blue book test on car repair and pass it, but you couldn't get your knuckles dirty, you, can't, you don't know anything about cars. Faith, trust, hope, belief, those are action words. This is not faith. Almost hedging my bet. What is faith? Faith sometimes is not confident, but it's doing something. It is jumping. Now I have faith. Now I proved my faith. I did something. Do you believe we can catch you? Yes, then jump. No, I believe you. I trust you. You're not trusting until you're airborne. And you can be airborne crazy screaming, okay? But at least you're airborne. The confident intellectual sitting here, standing here doing nothing is not a person of faith, belief, or anything, okay? They're making great grades in school, but they can't do anything because they don't know, they're not active in it. So, let's get more concrete, okay? So, I'm saved by the fire by the trained firefighters by trusting them, how did I trust in them? I jumped. Okay, so that's just a review. So, okay, so let's. Um, okay, I have a heart condition. I'm saved by my heart condition with because of a pill. Because of a pill, the thing, and I trust it by what? How do I trust the pill to save my heart condition? You got to take the pill. <laughs> right i'm staring at the pill i i trust that pill could help me that's not trust i have to ingest the pill okay so i am um i'm flying i'm sitting in a very uncomfortable chair inside of an aluminum tube going 530 miles per hour the, you don't want to overthink this uh, <laughs> because of some engineering drawings um uh, Maintenance crews and pilot training, and I believe that. I hope that's all true, and I showed that hope by boarding the plane. I mean, I'm boarding the plane. Boarding the plane, scary or scared, is better than standing here in a lecture telling you all the things about how aerodynamics work. And uh, I have to board the plane to get on the. So when I board a plane, it's like, hey, how you doing, passenger? Who cares? How do you do? How's it going up there in the cockpit? Everybody getting along okay? The marriages are good. No one's on, like, thinking bad thoughts. Did everybody sleep last night? Because I'm putting my hope in you guys right now. I hope the mechanics guys are getting along. Team's for it, right? So, because I can fly because of a plane, and I showed that by doing it. I am saved and made right with God because, I ha- because of a gift of payment in full. And how do I trust that? I make this statement where I put my soul in the hands of God, and I say, it's done. I'm believing that the payment in full is is legitimate. That I'm not going to do anything about that. That it was God doing the work through Jesus Christ. It It is by grace alone, the gift alone, through Jesus Christ alone. And my faith, my trust, my hope, my belief in that alone. And what happens to a person that believes in aerodynamics and airplanes and that sort of They end up flying. A person that believes in the pill ends up getting their heart fixed. A person that jumps off the building and gets caught gets saved from that. A person that puts their faith in pay in this gift, they rest. They're at ease. There's no more wrestling with God about, about certainty of acceptance and love and ultimate ends. At the end of the day, he, he's king of the universe. And he calls me his son. And so there's this, this like palatable peace and, that's overwhelming... Because, and God is going from an adversary and a judge in this transition. He goes from adversary and judge all the way to over here to protector and father. And I experience that by actually putting my faith in that. Okay? So where, where do the works come in? Where do works come in? That's the key to this book. Okay? What about works? Okay. Well, it said in our passage, especially in verse 9 there, it said, There is no boasting. There's no, there's no bragging about what you're doing. For a lot of different reasons, we're going to look at that today. But, but guys, you can't add to this gift or it ruins the gift. And, and there's, no, there's no goodness that you bring to this that you ought to be talking about. Now, good works follow this gift. When you get this gift of salvation that's paid in full by Jesus Christ, you put your faith in that, good works happen. At least for two reasons: one, now the Holy Spirit has the ability to reside in your soul and you 're going to grow a conscience in a hurry and you 'll do good things Other, overflowing gratitude would cause that to happen if you were doing time legitimately and we're on death row for killing someone and someone steps in and says i'll pay for that you would you would you would be grateful you would be grateful and so so good works follow real faith, but Good works don't cause real faith. Okay. All right. Faith alone saves, but, but real faith, it's never alone. Now, we have to move on for the sake of time. My seven minutes is up. And, but if you have questions about this, because this is fundamental, elemental, this you have to grasp this, and it would be great if we could go back and forth. This is a dialogue, and I've turned it into a monologue. And I'm sorry, but there's a dialogue that takes place. It starts at 1045. It started this week. You can go start next week. But FAQ, this new class we're starting, it started this week. It starts at 1045, which is the reason they did that, is they have their own greeting and welcoming and milling around. They want to get to know everybody. They want everybody to feel comfortable about going back and forth, asking any question that you can imagine about the basic, you know, theologies that are taught, basic topics that are taught in the Bible. If if this is still kind of new to you and you can't even... Grasp it yet? Will you please consider going to FAQ and other other questions with that in mind? It's a great dynamic. So there's there's that. Let's talk one more thing before we get into the book itself. The mood of the book because it's different than any other of the letters that Paul writes. Uh, um, It is his most animated and passion-filled book that he writes, and he's not happy. Okay, I'll just tell you that he. There's a lot of emotions. Very few of them are good. Okay, he's, first of all, he's shocked because he can't believe that people that he taught this gospel to, grace alone through Christ alone, faith alone, he taught, he taught them that, and he feels shocked that they would reject it. Why would you reject that now so quickly after you kind of you believed it and then you rejected it? And then, then he feels betrayed because they all were going along with him, and, and not only is his... His emotions aren't, are not personal. It's not betrayal for him. It's they betrayed the gospel itself. They betrayed this message, this gift. They, like, returned it, you know? Like, I'm going to bring this back on and get something much worse. What? Right? And he's, he's spitting mad on this thing. He is, he is livid towards the teachers of this false doctrine of the gift plus works. Okay? You get the gift, good for you. That's a good start. Now get going and start doing good things because you have to to keep the gift. Okay? You have to to keep the gift. That's their teaching. And so he realizes that changes the whole dynamic of that, we'll see. But he is, he's going to call them names. He's going to be cussing. I'll be cussing in just a few minutes. Stay there. It's, um, great for ratings. And, uh, and then later on in the book, I mean, he hopes they, like, hopes they hurt themselves in a really um, personal way. He is stupefied. He, he's, he's bewildered because he cannot figure out, especially as a scholarly Jew. He sees, look, all of, the, all of these rituals that everybody's doing, you know, the rituals of the Old, the Old Testament um, feasts and sacrifices, all those were pointing to the gift for 4,000, 10,000, certainly 2,000 years of, of Jewishness, right? 1,500 years, of Jewish, all pointing to this gift, you know? Passover, Day of Atonement, all these, look, the gift's coming, the gift's coming, the gift's coming. The gift shows up, and everybody's going back to the, the little arrows. Wow, it's a neat arrow. We should, we could keep talking about the arrow. And Paul's going, the arrow's pointing to the gift. So, he's stupefied that they just, they, they don't understand the power of the gift. Now, you don't need arrows anymore. There's no need for arrows. So, Anyway, my point is, is when you read the book of Galatians, you have to turn up the volume on the emotions and hear him yelling. If, if, if you don't, you're not reading it right, okay? So before we get going, let me give you a summary of chapter one, and then we'll hit the ground pretty hard. Here's the summary of chapter one. First, because Paul's credentials are in question, he's going to Authenticate himself as an apostle. That's part one. It's just a few verses, I think one through five or so. And then from then on, he's going to spend time giving three reasons, at least three reasons why this fake gospel is, is, is wicked and from hell. Okay? He's going to tell us about himself and why he has the authority to speak on this subject. He's going to tell us why this gospel, this gift plus gospel is from hell. And then he's going to give us two attributes or ways to know that the gospel that he taught, it's the real thing. Okay, so there's our three, kind of our three-point outline. Let's, let's look, first of all, at the first part. You guys ready to hit this book now? Yeah. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I don't have to, we don't have time to go through 1 through 5, but here's 1 and 2. Paul's establishing his credibility as an apostle. Look how he does it. Look what he says. Paul, an apostle, not sent by men, nor through agencies of a man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brother who are with you, I'm writing this letter. So the last part, part two is. In in the first three verses, I think, five verses, let me see. Yeah, first five verses, one through five, he'll use the name of a deity five times. Five times. Three times he'll say God the Father. Two times he'll say Jesus Christ. Why? Paul is dropping names here. He's saying, look, I'm an apostle. I didn't get appointed as an apostle by a guy over here says, oh, I think you're an apostle. I'm not, I'm not an apostle by a committee of people, an agency of men. I'm an apostle because God, God, God said so. I have this rank because Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ gave it to me. So I, I, have, I, ha- you know, I have a platform to speak about. He's, he's giving a resume here. He's showing his authority. And now he's going to, after he does that, he's going to say, okay, let's talk about this fake gospel, which is, I mean, it's not even real gospel. And He's going to give us three ways, th- or three things that describe this. And the first thing he describes is that this fake gospel, gospel plus work, the good news plus works, is, is desertion. Okay, look, look what it says in verse six. He says, I'm amazed. I'm shocked. Some of your translations will say shocked. Some will be astonished. I want you to feel, feel the passion. I can't First of all, I can't believe you left, but I can't believe how quickly you're deserting him who called you by the, one, uh, by the grace of Jesus Christ. I can't believe how quickly you're deserting him who called you by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, the word desert there is a military term, so let's just use the military analogy. The post that you're supposed to guard, all right, is, is by grace alone by Christ alone, through faith alone. Okay? It's by grace, through faith, through Christ alone. That's what you are supposed to be guarding as a soldier. And he says, I can't, how long, what, you hear, gunshots two miles away and you abandon this? You, aban- you you betrayed, not me, Paul, I'm not, you're not betraying Paul, you're betraying Christ, it says. You desert this. And, and, and then that's the first thing, he says, you're a deserter. Of God Himself. You've stabbed this gift in the back. And then the next thing he says, I think is very interesting, we'll spend time with this. It's not even a, it's not even a gospel anymore. And, and so in verse 6 and 7, look what he says. It's not even a gospel. Before you be, besides just deserting, look what he says. Verse 6 and 7, it's a different kind. I'm amazed, okay, that you so quickly are deserting him who called you by grace of Christ. For another, I've put, I've put the, kind of the original words up because he uses another twice. For another, another of a different kind, gospel. Which is really not another, another of the same kind. You've deserted Christ for another of a completely different kind. It's not even a gospel anymore. Okay, there's two words in Greek that will help us because he's trying to make sure we don't mix this up. He uses two, there's two words for another in Greek. And, and we, we kind of do that too. Um, uh, I have two pieces of fruit, okay? Another of of the same kind. This is alos in Greek, alos. So there's another of the same kind. I have a Red Delicious apple and a Macintosh apple. They're both apples. They're, they're fruits of the same kind. Now there's, a, there's a, another word, uh, heteros, like where we get heterosexual, right? I'm, I'm interested in people that are different than me, of my kind. So different kind of fruit. Here's, I'm going to show you two pieces of fruit. They're, they're another kind of fruit, of a different kind. Here's an apple and an orange. In logic we say, difference in degree, not in kind. Because what he's saying is, if you take this gift and you add works to it, it cha- it's not a difference in degree. Oh, it's a little bit off. Oh look, you started a new denomination. No, you started a cult. It's a different kind of gospel, and it's not even the kind that we were talking about that, that's, that's, that's like this. It's not a gospel. It's not good news. How could it be, gospel means literally good news. How could it be good news if we're back to the same treadmill? How could you so quickly desert the, for a gospel that's not even the gospel of a different kind? The gospel that was sent by God. How, how, did, you, how did you do that? How did you, look, let's go back to definitions of terms, shall we? God, okay, grace means gift, okay? Grace is a gift. Okay, if you add to it grace, it's not a gift anymore because it's a gift, okay? Grace means gift. If, if you pay for the gift, okay, you earn the gift. It's, it's a purchase. <laughs> it's not a gift anymore. How do you keep it a gift? You just take it. You stop, get your wallet, put it back. Grace means gift. If you receive the gift and pay it back, it's not a gift anymore. It's a loan. Thanks for loaning me the money to buy this present for me. I'll pay you back. Well, then it's not a present anymore. A gift is a gift. God gives us his son to pay the price for our sins he resurrected to prove it's a payment in full. That's the gift. If you add anything to this, it's no longer the gift. So be, besides deserting and then ruining the very definition of the term gift, and it's not even a gift anymore, a different kind, right? Besides, not only that, but now you're distorting. This false gospel is distorting things. Look what it says in verse 6 again. And seven, I'm amazed, shocked, whatever, that you were so quickly deserting him who called you, deserting God who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not of, of another kind. Not only, there, not only there are some of you that, that are disturbing you that want to distort the gospel of Christ. Let me explain how this is distorting. The gospel, um, figuratively speaking, the, the word distort means to not get a clear picture of. So let's use that, Okay. Now, what are we up to? Super HD now? Okay, so the gospel, by grace alone, through Christ alone, through faith alone, is like this super HD picture of the nature of God. It's the perfect picture, picture of the nature of God. Because the, the, the conflicts that we have in the nature of God are difficult to, to contain in our minds that he is absolutely just and holy, and yet he's loving and merciful. And yet, look what happens. The gospel does that. This gift does that, right? King of the universe nailed to a tree, right? The righteousness of God, that we, we, cannot, we cannot stand the radiation of his holiness. It, it, is, it is quenched in this gift, for God so loved the world. And, and so what happens is we the gospel, the pure gospel, has this super HD perfect picture of the nature of the face of God himself. And then when we add works to it, when we touch it, we put our slimy, oily, dirty fingerprint right over the face of God. And now it's like, oh, I can't see certain aspects of him. You know, I don't see that he's all that, that, he's all that holy. or I don't see that he's all that loving because I'm having to keep working here. See how it distorts that? Th- that's why. If you add to the gift, it's no longer a gift. So, look, this fake gospel—you get this gift now. Get out there and get busy. <laughs> I think that's the motto of some churches. Okay, uh, receive the gift now. Let's get busy till Jesus comes back. You—that you, is a false gospel. It des, it deserts God. It's not even real anymore. We're defining, we're redefining terms now that aren't even based on reality. And then third right? It's distorting the image of God. What, how does Paul feel about that, those people that are promoting that? Here's where he starts getting mad. He says, they can go to hell. There's the cussing. You stayed. You heard it. Go to hell, he says. Now, that's a summary statement that's found in 8 and 9, and it didn't take long for him to get riled up. And let me show you that it's not necessarily all that uh, inflammatory. In other words, it's not cussing. Because he says, but even if we, he's putting himself in there, even if we were an angels from in heaven, should preach a gospel contrary to the one that was preached to you, he is accursed. And I've said it before, and I will say this again. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, he is to be accursed. Accursed there in Greek is anathema. It is, what, it, it is hell. It is final, ultimate, eternal judgment and damnation. And he's saying, and he's not... So he's not talking trash, he's not losing his temper, he's stating facts. He's just doing the math here. If you believe in a gospel that says grace a gift, and then add all your doing goods and all your rituals and your attendance issues and all your check marks, okay, that's not the real gospel anymore, right? It's a difference in kind, and that won't get you to heaven. So you will go to hell. You will be accursed. And if you're... in and Paul's especially hard on teachers, rightfully so, if you're you're a tour guide and you're leading people and saying, oh yeah, this is the gospel, yeah, you get this gift, and then we just do all this other stuff. I'll tell you when to stop. I hope you get enough. That person that's teaching, oh, he's going to go to hell. Let him be accursed. And Paul's not taking himself and his friends out of this declaration. If we or an angel from heaven teaches a gospel different than the one that we, you were taught, they're going to be accursed. This is ultimate, right? These are hard realities that are going on here and, and they have consequences, and that's all he's saying here. So, I mean, he says it twice and he says it for reasons. It's just facts. He's just, he's just doing the math. Grace plus works is death. All right, so he establishes authority. He gives us three reasons why this, this other teaching is heretical and is cultic. And now he's going to say, look, here's two things that you can know are true about the gospel that, that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus Christ alone. Uh, these are the f- truce, two true signs of the gospel. The first thing is, it's, it's offensive. <laughs> you know, I can, look, it says, I'm not seeking, look how three times he's saying, I'm not trying to win friends here. Three times. For am I now seeking favor of men or from God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, okay, I I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm bound by my servitude to Jesus Christ to not care what other people think about me. This message is offensive. How so? Why is the gospel offensive? I mean, it's a it's a gift. You get this gift, I love gifts. I'm not offended by your gift. Well, there's an assumption that precedes the gift, and that's why it's rejected. It's it's about the nature of your soul. And let's just, uh, again, we're trying to make all these things concrete. Let's just pretend your soul were an automobile. And and I'll just, huge generalizations, but I'll say there's like three types of people out there. And one type will say, well, my soul, my car, it looks like this. And there's a flat tire, you know. I'm, you know, I'm not all that broken. I can, I can fix this. You know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm doing my best. God loves me. I got all these Hallmark cards that say so. And so it's all good. It's all good. See, this person has no offense, okay, what, what do they hear the real gospel? This is called self-righteousness. And this person does not have a clue what the gospel says. Now, most people, I mean, people that go to churches like ours and most people around I would say a lot of people would have this second view, and they see their soul and in kind of a car wreck, but it's mostly kind of a fender bender. And, you know, it's it's broken, but you know what? With God's help, I mean, with God's help, we can get this thing working. Hey, nobody's perfect. I mean, I'm broken, and I, and I sin, but, no, you know, everybody sins, right? And so... And so I receive this gift from God, and then we're going to work this thing out, and I'm going to try to get my life together so that I'm worthy of the gift. Now it's not a gift. That person maybe has a kind of mildly bad self-image, and they realize they need some help, but they don't get it either. The reason the gospel is so offensive is because this is how the Bible sees us. Our souls are totaled. That thing ate a tree. They cut the roof off to get the people out, apparently. You take this to a junkyard, and you have to pay them to take it. There's nothing on this thing that's salvageable. Even the circuits are blown. You can't sell the fuses from this thing. There's nothing about this automobile that has merit towards God. Okay, There is none righteous. There's not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who really seeks God. Our mouths are like open pits of vile. Our tongues are poisonous like asps. They, we just we're spewing bitterness. In God's mercy, sometimes in His severe mercy, He will expose who we really are, and we'll see ourselves as this total wreck. And we'll drop our little hammer and we'll drop our sandpaper. Like you need a little sandpaper. You know, get out of the car, pal. You're not going home in that Corvette. And you'll go over to the curb and you'll sit there and you'll cry. And you'll be, and you and all you'll have in your despair is a glimmer of hope that God would come and give a gift. He's not gonna fix that car. He'll just give you a new one. That's what's offensive about the gospel. There's this dramatic assumption of self-realization that God's Spirit allows you to experience so that you realize that if, if I don't get a gift that pays for everything, paid in full, I don't have any chance. And Paul's saying, am I winning friends by teaching this? Not really. I'm not. I'm just listening to God. Now, here's, here's the other thing that's absolutely profound. He's going to spend about a chapter and a half trying to explain this. That the gospel is not invented, it's discovered. Think about this. It is The true gospel, it, it is discovered. It's not invented. Look how he's appealing to that. He says, look, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, For I neither received it from from a man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. I got this message from outside. I didn't come up with this message. I didn't reason myself into this message. Right? I didn't reflect on. It's like, oh, okay, now this, oh, this makes sense. Okay, I've come up with this passage. And you'll, you'll hear at a university, you take a religion class, they'll say that Paul wrote the theology of the New Testament. He, wrote, he, he invented Christianity. No, 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 listen to me. This gospel message, grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone, that's, that's something you discover. You don't invent that. Um, Pythagoras, did he discover or invent that A squared on triangles, A squared plus B squared equals C, C squared. It's named after him. He discovered it, all right? And then, and then he just submitted to the truth of of the Pythagorean theorem, because he received it from outside, the creator of triangles. Apply just in, it came with the triangle. Did Isaac Newton um, invent gravity? Did he invent the, the right of gravity on planet Earth? No, he discovered it, and then and then had to then he had to submit to the reality of it because it came with the planet. It came from the creator, and so what Paul is saying here is you are saved by grace through faith, is a message that I received from somewhere else. It came outside. I didn't come up with this. The Creator gave it to me. Let's, let's put a bow on this. Okay, let's review. So Paul says, look, I have authority from God, from God, from God, the Father, right, from Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ. And look, this other gospel out there, it's not another gospel. You're deserting your post as, as what, what is true. And not, not only that, you're distorting the image of God. You're distorting the holy nature of God by doing this. And it's not even the real gospel. The real gospel, it's offensive. And it's not from here. And, and this good news, this gospel, gospel means good news. If you apply it to the aspects of your life, if you, if you take it for more than a ticket to heaven... And you allow God to reveal to you areas in your life where doing and working harder is not working anymore, and you let God's grace, God's gift, work in your life. You don't have dreams wild enough to anticipate what God will do in your life. It's it's a strange thing in the American. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, the the human psyche. Uh, After the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. By Lincoln, And after the war was over, the Civil War was over, there were many slaves that would not leave uh, their masters, their owners, right? And some of them because they had nice and kind ones and, and they were trying to provide a, a safe place. But there were other slaves that were, were beaten and misused and, and, and abused in harsh and ungodly ways. And yet they stayed with them. And they stayed with them because they knew of no other life My prayer for this series, the reason we're going to spend 11 weeks on this, is that the gospel, the gift of of Christ, the gift of Jesus alone, gift alone, through your faith alone, would be uh, like yeast in dough, right? From what I've been told, right? You add just a little yeast in a corner, and it has the power to infect the entire dough. That's what we want to happen for us, okay? We We want you to tap in on this. Your roots grow into this gift this grace thing, and it, and it saturates the trunk and the limbs and every single leaf of your life so that your personality and your temperament and, and the way you see life is overflowing with gratitude and generosity and patience and courage. And the only way that will happen is you, if you, you, you must be brainwashed. You have, to, you have to think on this grace more than anything else. And so for today, for just this week's homework assignment, this is what we're asking people to do, that you would read this short little book every day for 30 days. This had a profound effect in my life. It's, I think might be one of the reasons this is my favorite book. I read it 50 times. The guy who challenged me to do it, he said, oh, it gets really bad from 25 to 40. Mm. But then things happen. You get inside the mind of the Spirit of God. So here's I'm going to try to make this a little easier. 30 days. Try multiple different translations. It's easy to go online and get different translations. When you get tired of one, go to another. So here's my challenge for you. 30 days. the month. Of, let's just say for the month of January, read Galatians every day. Come back. We'll study it together for 10 more weeks. I'm pausing because I want you to think about it because I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Who's going to do that? Who's going to read Galatians every day? Try to read Galatians every day every day for 30 days all right let's pray for some brainwashing okay no kidding lord jesus i i ask first of all that we would the people that don't understand or maybe are understanding for the first time or maybe for a new way that they would understand that it is by grace that we are saved and made right with you and it's through our faith that we do that a faith that acts out, that trusts completely, that's reckless in, that jumps without a net. And it's not of our own doing. We have nothing to boast about. And that we would understand this good news, this power of grace, the power of gift giving by your spirit, this gift of the spirit. And it would, it would penetrate our souls like yeast, saturate every aspect of our lives. Lord, would your spirit reveal to us a guarded area that we think uh, is too painful or too difficult for your powerful grace to, inhibit, to inculcate. Would you give us that as a project to see the power of grace in our lives? Lord, let this song be true in our lives, that you are, this grace, this gift of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone that we build our whole lives around. Let us be a church like that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.